0: Hello and welcome back to Casting Nets Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Will Harley. I am also here with my cohort in crime, the always magnanimous and awesome human being, generally, Pastor Dave Rudot. It is As, great to be here. Well You just interrupted, so not I everything, did, I, did. everything I said about you is wrong. <laughs> right off the bat
1: it's great to be with you here Will the evangelical provocateur that you are. Very
0: good. And I have to say we are we are recording in um Dave's office and there is uh some vital differences between Dave's office and my office. And it's not a lack of technology. Both of us are kind of technophiles and so we we like cool new toys. Um the difference is his desk is higher um and so so we get to sort of sit above other things and his desk is cleaner. Um, so if you ever get to see my desk, it is filled with paperwork and, and, you know, the work of a pastor and, uh, you get to Dave's desk and, and his desk is not, um, so his, everything is digital on his desk. So I do have books.
1: I have a library sitting right over there and nice chairs to sit in as you're reading those books. But But when I'm sitting at the desk, (laughs) this is time to be in technology. If I want to read, I go sit in a nice place.
0: Yes, but my library is tools. bigger that's just my my library is bigger <laughs> <laughs> let's get that out of the way <laughs> i like more books <laughs> all right so before we begin today it is good to be with you again um if you've noticed and 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 probably by the time you're hearing this um, maybe you have noticed this uh, our hosting site has changed um due to prices going up because of inflation and everything else um our Previous hosting service, which was Fireside, um sent out an email that said all oh, the prices are going to drastically increase. And so we switched our hosting service to Podbean. And so we uh thank Podbean for being affordable <laughs> um, so that we could jump on and uh and still be able to put this out without asking for any income or, or finances from our listeners. And so uh, if you are wondering why things aren't working 100% like they used to or why we're not able to to find us as readily, we are in the process of rebuilding some of those connections and it should be done within the next couple of weeks, uh, but be patient with us.
1: Yeah, if we do it right, you won't notice a thing. If we do it wrong, <laughs> please contact us because uh, there's a lot of neat features in Podbean that we didn't have before, such as we can post right up to social media or on YouTube. So if you like listening to something on YouTube, uh, some people actually do that. They have YouTube, which is a visual platform, but they actually use it to listen to things. And you can uh, also listen to us on YouTube as well.
0: So, uh, we are, we're in the middle of, of this crossover and expanding out. But uh, as we work on that, just bear with us as as we continue to try to put out content as well, and that leads us to our disclaimer for today. And so, just remind, uh, be reminded that everything that we say is just a conversation between two pastors. We are trying our best to show how we live faith in this world, um, and and how we treat real life, and and yet have an opportunity to live in God's grace. That being said, there may be some things, and probably not today so much, but there may be some things that that we say that you don't agree with, and if it makes you upset, that's not our intention. Just shut us off, tune in later, fast forward until we get beyond that portion that that made you upset, and then um, <clears throat> hopefully uh, uh, you'll continue to listen and and give some good input for us as to what other topics you might like us to pursue.
1: We also want this to be a beginning of a conversation between the two of us, uh, and between two of us meaning you, dear listener, and us. So feel free to reach out to us and talk to us. You can talk to us in person. Uh, Will Harley is available on Sunday mornings at uh, St. John and Maribel. Home. And in his home and uh, in his office. Uh, he has his office at the church there. Uh, you can also... Visit with me in person as well as at Emanuel and Shirley. You can reach out to us on our Facebook presence as well. And you can email us at castingnetspod at gmail.com. One of the joys of being in ministry is serving with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And one of the, my brothers in Christ, Pastor Roy Rose, who is a retired pastor, was going through all of his files, and uh he is, was thinking like singling things out. He said, you know, this would be good for Dave to read, or this might be a good resource for him. And he's perfectly okay with me uh, filing it into the circular file. Uh, you know what that means. But he—it it is really a, a benefit and a resource for me to have a retired pastor go through his stuff and say, you know, this stuff was valuable to me in my ministry, and hopefully you can use it. And some of the stuff is uh, good to use. And one of the things that he gave me was a paper which actually is uh, on the seminary webpage now as well. I didn't know that at the time when I suggested reading this paper with Will, and that paper was called Making the Most of Your Small Church. It was a paper written 36 years ago, 1986, and you might say, how could that possibly have any bearing on us today? Well, people are people, and church attitudes tend to resurface, especially sinful ones, because the devil likes to recycle.
0: And, and because there were small congregations 36 years ago, just as there are small congregations now. Um, and there's a, and, and I think, <clears throat> which makes this paper, at least for me, um, a little bit more timely, even though it's 36 years old. Is the fact that there is a recropping up of the old arguments between big church and small church, and how um, small churches think they're inferior because they're not like and can't do what the big churches do? And so, I I, I really thought that that would this was a good conversation to maybe tackle and, and get involved in.
1: Yeah, so it, it it's you don't necessarily need to read the paper dear listener that's the whole reason why we have this podcast. So we have both read the paper. We're going to be going through some of the points uh with you of making the most of your small church. Uh the paper begins and talking about what is a small church and uh this is one point where there is some debate uh and some differences of opinions. For example, some people might say, well, your number of baptized members is what makes you a small church. I'm sure if you go on a Barna research and say, what's a small church in America, that's probably the number that they would uh, look at. But I think uh, our definition of a small church might be a little bit different. And of course, this is just a matter of uh, sanctified opinion and uh, wisdom, and so take that for what it's worth. But our measure for what is a small church is what, Will?
0: Well, my measure for what a small church is is... Attendance. Um, who's there? And and most specifically, communion attendance um not saying that kids should be left out of that uh, although you should bring your kids up for communion so that they can be blessed by their pastor that i'm just going to throw that out there um but uh i think communion attendance because that is the measure of of the lifeblood of of our lord being given to his church and so communion attendance should be a, a a big factor how many people are coming for communion how many people are in the pews on every given sunday um is a good measure of who the people are who are supporting the church working within the church and and the people that you have to draw on do you, do you have
1: a, an idea of how many you would think how many people coming up to communion determines whether you have a small church or not?
0: Well, um in the paper, they would say that that an average membership of around two hundred is is probably your dis, the the differentiation between what a small church is and a big church. I would probably feel very, very comfortable with that. Um, I know that uh, statistics have shown that uh, a person, a pastor or whatever, can only manage about 250 names on a regular basis. Um, so I don't think that that is far fetched. And and so I think sometimes what we get into our head is okay, we have so many people on our books. And so we look at the, the church registry and we say, well, these are our members. And, and so I'm going to use Maribel, uh, St. John's and Maribel as an example, um, 380 plus people on the books. I don't get 380 people in church. Um, if I did, I would not know everyone's name. I'm still working on everyone's name, but I wouldn't be able to even recognize their faces because that's over what what my brain can process on a given time uh, of that limit but we and on any given sunday are probably 50% or less probably less in the mid 40s of of what that would be and and i think that's important for for us to realize that that really um even though the synod would like to say well you're 300 you have a membership of 386 i don't I have a membership of a of, of about 170, 180 because those are the people that are actually there.
1: Yeah, actively participating in worship and receiving the means of grace. I think that's a, a really good point. Just a, a number is just a number. It's, we're trying to determine if a small church and a large church, what we liked about the paper was is that it, it did reveal to us that there's a different mentality of large churches and small churches. And both Will and I have been in large churches and small churches and we've seen there's a different mentality to both and so we we appreciated that the paper would say you know there's a different mentality between the two but how do we determine what's a small church and a, a large church what's the metric that we're going to use uh, there's a little bit of uh, a lee- leeway in that
0: well and and I think membership and just as a side comment um membership I think is an important thing for us to talk about um the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church are the only church bodies in the United States that keep membership. That we actually have a membership role, and the reason for that is, is because we find the people who who say they want it to be a part of us as important, and we want to know them, and we want to reach out to them, and and to do the work of the church, we want. Other people to to say, hey, they their name is here. I haven't seen them, and I want to go, and I want to reach out, and I want to share with them the God uh, God's grace and 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 call them around, um, His ministry of the keys and and receive communion and, and the sacraments. Other congregations don't keep a membership like we do, and so they do look at their membership as how many people did we baptize this year? How many people have showed up and, and are sitting in the pews? Um, and I might not know them, I don't know, unless they come every Sunday, and then I might know them and say, well, I guess they're there. Um, but, so I, I think there is, um, there is a, a good point about keeping people's names on the book but on the flip side if their name is in the book then we have responsibility for them and and i think that that's just a conversation on membership in general i'm not i know it doesn't necessarily fit in with the conversation of a small church other than the mentality i think of of the different mentality between a small church and a large church that that a large church sometimes people can get lost because they can have their name on the book but then they don't show up and the pastor doesn't know everybody um in a small church it's i would like to say it's harder to get lost.
1: <laughs> right. You, you're noticed and there's there's a need for you.
0: But I've been in enough small churches and so have you where, where people get lost very, very easily and no one wants to go and talk with them because they don't want to ruffle any feathers in the community.
1: Yeah, let's talk about some of the differences between the small church and large church mentalities that we appreciated in the paper that he talked about. Uh, one of the things that... Um, I appreciate it about the small church and the large church is uh, one of the points he made was that in a smaller church, however you define that, the focus tends to be on the health of each individual, while in large churches the primary focus tends to be on the health of the institution. We have to keep the institution going. We have to keep this church going. We have to keep maybe if there's a school, we have to keep the school going. We have to keep this program going. Uh, that's the important thing. We we need more members in, involved in our congregation because we have these institutions that need bodies. I, I can see that in a large uh, uh, congregation um, being more the mentality than in a smaller congregation.
0: I, and I agree with that. <clears throat> I think um – um, the institution becomes the driving force, and we have to keep this institution alive. I liked actually in his his description of of the small church, and I found this to be true um, <clears throat> his highlighting that the smoke the, the the focus of the small church can move <clears throat> excuse me can move a little bit faster than a large church um because there's not a not as many moving parts. Yeah. Um and so the small church can 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 say we're going to plan something implement something relatively quickly as opposed to a large church that's going to have to have a lot of groundwork to to get this momentum going and then finally finally start moving in a direction. So a small church can can really in ministry pivot on a dime relatively. Uh, as opposed to a large congregation that, that once they're committed to something, have to really let it play out and then stop and then reform something else, let it play out, stop. Um, whereas the small congregation can say, all right, this didn't work. Let's change. We're going in a different direction.
1: <laughs> I, I completely agree. I am being a member of a small congregation. Sometimes it's, it's like, well, we have to plan this out. And then other times it's, uh, and it, it gets the same impact of the congregation than, oh, by the way, the, next Sunday we're going to do this and then we do that and we have the – it's like wait a minute I, we had a um a, a, get let's get tangible v- vbs we plan vbs months in advance and then vbs comes and and so many people come uh we have uh for example we have the the sunday school kids is going to do an ice cream social next week and there's just as many people involved uh, or people there than when something that we had planned for months. Uh, so I really appreciate that being able to turn on a dime and be able to um, be flexible in that way.
0: Well, yeah. And, and even in, in St. John's, we have the evangelism committee. They wanted to do an Easter for kids and we had just gotten done with, um, a mother. A mother, son, father, daughter dance, and and we were kind of wiped. And they're like, "No, we got to do something Easter for kids." And and two, three weeks before Easter for kids, they're like, "We're we're gonna get together." And they put the word out in the church, and people started donating whatever they needed to donate, and everything came together, and Easter for kids happened. And it's like people showed up, and the ministry of the of of God was done, and people heard about Jesus, and kids were running around screaming and having a good time, and they left saying, "Hey, I know what Easter's all about." Um, in three weeks, that that's kind of an unheard of thing in a large congregation. In a large congregation, you know, that would have been in January. We were planning for what the or what Easter for kids would be for that one day. Yeah, and so so I mean, there's there's some rich benefits to that the small congregation.
1: Another one of the points I liked about the small church versus largest church is the relational aspects of the pastor versus the functional aspects of the pastor. So the relation in a smaller congregation, members might say, well, our pastor isn't the greatest preacher, but he is sure relatable. Like he'll come and visit me when I'm in the hospital or he comes and and I, I know him. I, I that The guy that preaches, yeah, his sermons aren't going to make it on, on television, but <clears throat> he's not the next Billy Graham. But his sermons are much more impactful because that individual knows me and knows what's, what I'm going through.
0: But I mean, that being said, that preacher might be a very good preacher too. Um, I mean that it, it, that's that's the part of the small congregation where where it it, it can be a crapshoot. Um, here, at real life, we had uh, um, a member, a small congregation. When I mean small congregation, I mean like twenty people were in attendance, and it was a dual parish. And, um, <clears throat> man, they loved their pastor, and this was out in South Dakota. Um, they loved their pastor, and and, and he was, uh, by their own admittance—so I'm not downgrading him at all—by their own admittance, he was a, a very lackluster preacher in the sense that there was no inflection, it was just very rote— but they, they loved their pastor because he would drop everything to go out to their farm and help. And he would drop everything to sit with them, uh, at their bedside. And he would, um, invite them into his home if they came by and they said, Hey, you want a beer? And he'd be absolutely, um, his Bible studies were engaging and thought provoking and he made it relational to them. And so, yeah, he, he didn't have maybe the best, uh, pulpit presence, you might say. But they knew him in every other aspect, and and that was a huge, a huge thing. And they said, "No, this is worth it." So yeah.
1: that's a, any other points that you want to bring up between small churches and large
0: churches before actually, you move on. There is, and and this one actually, out of all the points, and there were what eight points, and and most of them I am like, yeah, I, 13, "Yep," I 14 actually fourteen points. Yeah, yeah. Comes
1: under but and dear listener, that's okay. You don't necessarily have to read this.
0: But the one that struck me that I actually didn't think about uh, and 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 kind of struck me as, as interesting was the dropout rate uh, and that one actually that one actually took me by surprise and then all the rest I'm like yep I know yep I know yep yeah I can see that um, but the dropout rate that in larger congregations you have a five to six percent dropout rate which is the national average by the way um, in
1: 1986 still is oh, okay the, the average dropout
0: that. rate per year is is five to six, uh, five to eight percent, uh, anywhere between five and eight percent, uh, dropout rate from the church nationally. And, and they said, you know, and, and he was saying one to two percent in small congregations. And that kind of, it makes sense because of the attachment, you know, they're going to miss me. I, 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 there's an obligation there and there's someone who will check and balance and, and hold me accountable. Whereas you don't have maybe some of that in the, Bigger congregations, and so it's easier to drop out. Um, that, to me, was a was was an eye opener. But that 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 was the biggest one.
1: Okay, thanks. So let's move on. Uh, the next uh, part of our podcast will be talking about problems to overcome in small churches, and he has five of them listed. And we don't necessarily have to go through all five of them, but just the ones that kind of spoke to us as far as uh, being in a small church, and probably the num- the number one for me would be the poor self image and that is the idea of a small church is trying to trying to be the big church and they look at themselves always in terms of the big church the big church down the road or the big church that i grew up in had this that and the other thing but we don't we don't have that i had that consistently um i had an individual in in uh, one of the congregations i served in montana who would always bring up the the congregation that his children went to and they do this and they do that and finally i had to say to him um why are you bringing that up we're not them we're not in that we're not in that setting we're not the, that congregation but what can we do what are the the things that we can do what are the blessings that we have as a small congregation in a
0: small uh, setting i think one of the things though that that uh and i i, I just want to pull back just a little bit and say that that's not just a um a problem within small congregations it can be a problem within large congregations too it's it's more exemplified in a small congregation just for the simple fact that you have have less people necessarily that you are are to look at and so you see the it, it becomes glaringly obvious um south dakota once again in a circuit of all small congregations there were no big congregations um, and and every small congregation looked at the other small congregation and said, oh, they're doing this. Why can't we do this? And so like um, one of our congregations did a VBS, which you brought up VBS in my, in, in my area, even in St. John's. But also when I was in South Dakota, VBS went by the wayside because there was a ton of planning for a week's worth of things that no one wanted to volunteer to do. And you spent a ton of money on something that, that didn't really reap the benefits and the results. So that's gone by the wayside. That, that could be here or there. Anyway, the uh, um, but they would look and they would – let's just use VBS as an example. Before it went away in the circuit, and it did eventually in South Dakota, um, they would look down the street and they would say, oh, you know, 30 minutes away, such and such a congregation, they're doing VBS, and look at what they're doing. And, well, why can't we do that? Why shouldn't we do that? And so I said, okay, let's do that. And nobody volunteered. Nobody wanted to do it in the congregation. It was a good idea from one person or two people who got everyone else on fire to say, yep, this is what we should do, but nobody showed up to want to, to do it. And, and then you end up having to say, this is why this doesn't work for us because it seems like a great idea, but you don't want to be invested in that. And, and, and I'm a firm believer that, that I will take And I think this is part of a pastor's role. Um, I will do the planning. I will do the heavy lifting. I will do the coordinating for the first time to help lead everyone through it. But when the second time comes around, if no one else picks it up, no one, then that means you don't want it, which isn't a bad thing. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that didn't work for this area. And so... We move on.
1: I, I think what you bring up is a good point. Every time somebody a congregation is doing a gospel ministry, they have to evaluate: is this actually doing what we think it's doing? And for for a certain congregation, might say. This isn't actually um, actually preaching the gospel to somebody new, uh, or this is only this is something our resources could be used and diverted elsewhere so that the gospel would spread to more people. So I I appreciate that. I wouldn't necessarily throw all vacation Bible schools under the bus.
0: I'm not. I'm saying in in my in the areas that I've been in, this is and and, the, and I'm not saying that VBS couldn't work in St. John's. I'm saying that the congregation doesn't want to do it. Yeah, okay. Because and and that's and that's the other part of it. And and this is one of those things where so in a large congregation you get a committee together. And the committee will do this and the committee does all the heavy lifting and you might have 10 people who are on that committee and they do everything. But in a small congregation those ten people who would be on the committee doing everything for VBS are also the same ten people who are doing the evangelism, and the same ten people who are doing the outdoor, you know, cleanup, and the same ten people who, and, and so you're pulling from the same pool, and and eventually, and and this happens in small congregations, and it happens in areas where they're like, we don't want to do this because we want our efforts to be put into this, and yeah. sometimes. And this is a long, this is a lesson that I have had to learn and I've had to kind of, uh, it hurts my heart, but it's the truth. And I've had to realize it and recognize it. Um, just because pastor says this would be good for the community or just because pastor says this would be a great outreach doesn't mean that the congregation wants to do it. And we have to realize they're not our congregation we are called to serve them we're called to 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 help lead them in the direction they would desire to go and we do the best that we can with god's word and with the sacraments but honestly unless it is unless they're saying we do not want word and sacrament ministry everything else is a corollary and if they don't want it they don't that's fine that's that's up to them and right. and that's and that's a hard thing for pastors to get over um, especially when you look into a small congregation, you're like, We have so much that we can do. Look at all these gifts, look at this. We have we have this great group of people who know each other and love each other and they and you're just listening to all these things and they're like, Yeah, but we want to go play baseball with with the community. And and I don't or or we don't we don't wanna mess with um the, the farming whatever that's coming up and that would be during VBS time. Right. And and the pastor has to step back and say, Okay. Well, let's let's do something else. Let's put up a stand at that farming thing. Oh, I could maybe do that, Pastor. I'll be there anyway. I'll I'll sit there for a half hour, forty five minutes, and hand out a pamphlet and said, "Hey, we're here."
1: <laughs> that, that's an excellent point of, of pastors always being able to readjust and not have the the vision in their head of what the congregation should be and and focus instead of what the, what's there and understand that that what's there also needs to be encouraged to spread the gospel in whatever way and in, in whatever setting that they're sitting in.
0: So, so this actually does bring up an issue that is different and, and it is a problem, uh, between small church and big church. So in big church, <clears throat> you have more than one pastor typically. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, or if not more than one pastor, more than one person who's doing different areas of ministry. And so the pastor gets to focus on this area of ministry, this area of ministry, this area of ministry. And in a small congregation, um, you're, the pastors don't get to do that, right? In a small congregation, pastor has got his hands in every aspect of ministry, and and so they're bouncing, bef- they're bouncing between all these things, which I think can lead to burnout. Um, that a pastor in a small congregation can easily burn out, and that is a problem because they're they're doing everything they're they're at the forefront of it all
1: yeah, it falls under the category that we're talking about the poor self image of even the pastor can have that poor self image where he's, he's he's got so many things that he's going uh, that he's going through and doing that he feels like man i'm not doing anything because yeah. he, he's spread so thin. Yeah. Um, and I, I do like getting back to your original point of the poor self-image. I, I do agree that it can be something that happens in a larger congregation as well, because Satan likes to recycle. Uh, so he's going to recycle the, the sin of of envy and coveting, of coveting what another congregation is doing or what you grew up in, the congregation that you grew up in, they did this, and saying, well, my congregation doesn't have that. And for us to to reset and reevaluate and say, what gospel ministry is being done here, and um, and to rejoice that God is moving His people to work and serve in this area rather than where it could be, or where it should be, or or where you want it to be, or what you remember.
0: Yeah, and, you know, and 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 I know he throughout the entire um, part in his is. Rant about self-image. He, uh, <clears throat> mentions how oftentimes we look at the large congregations and they have the beautiful architecture and they have the beautiful churches and they have the, they have the best sound equipment. And, and I was just having this discussion with, with, uh, people on my elders committee. And I said, um, yeah, I went down to St. John's and they have, you know, beautiful soundboard and they got multiple monitors and they've got this brand new thing and they can send it to six TVs and they can do. It. And I'm like, whoa, this is great. And I'm like, how much did you invest? And they're like, and i looked at my wallet and lots isn't there (laughs) and 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 you think okay well you know in a in, in a small congregation and i and 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 this is one of those things that maybe later on in the podcast we can explore um i think i think my congregation is is a is in one of those unique positions where it's on the cusp of are we small are we are we entering big and we're dealing with that growth in that way but one of those things is 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 you know as the pastor, I see a need and I say, okay, you know, we're, we're on the cusp of growing and we want to move in this direction, but the congregation doesn't see it yet and they maybe can't afford it yet. And so the pastor is trying to do things on a shoestring, which is part of a small congregation, right? The, the, the pastor or a certain member sees a need for this. And so they fund it themselves. Um, and that, that I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying you should get into the practice of doing it all the time either, but, but it happens. And, and in our case, it's happening with technology. And I'm like, okay, I look at my wallet and I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't have the budget that, that these bigger guys have. So what, how can we do this on a shoestring? How can we do this in, in, in a way that's still professional and is going to give a good result? And yet, um, we can implement and then who's going to run it? And, and then, and then it falls on pastor to train them because pastor is the one that's doing it. One of the things that was at the end of his self-image, um, kind of, um, point, which I, I think needs to be highlighted is, um, his response to, to the mindset of how do we get out of this poor self-image? And, and one of the things he said, and I, I just, I underlined it and started because I thought this, you know, this is something that we should take away, um, for every member. Uh, do they pour mouth? Do, do our people pour mouth the church? Um, when talking to their friends, or do the members have a healthy pride in their congregation? In most growing churches, the members are enthusiastic about A, their faith as Christians, B, the congregation for which they are members, and C, their minister. How how cool is that? Because I I think that permeates every congregation, large or small. But but definitely small. Yeah, our congregation probably doesn't have the newest and the best and the greatest and the biggest. That's all right. We have the gospel. We have the gospel, and you know what? Our pastor is awesome. Because um, he, he preaches talks the gospel. Me. Well, he preaches the gospel, but he he talks to me, right? He I can call him. And, and I don't have to wait and, and, and be filtered through his secretary. He gives me his cell phone and I can text him and I can call him and I have a direct connect where I don't have that in a large congregation. I think, I think it, the mindset of our own people saying our congregation is just fine and it's amazing because we got these gifts and we're using them. And, uh, um, we might not have everything, but, but maybe if you come, we can have more and and then, and that's how it grows, right? I don't have it all, but but I can have more because um what is it Grace is it? I think it's grace in Manitowoc um they don't have a school and and they're a smaller congregation. they're not huge. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mark them as huge, but one of the things that they have made as a priority in their congregation, which I think goes a long way, is they said. If you come to our church and you have a young child and you want to go to any one of our area congregational schools, we will help you do this and that's our commitment to you. Yeah, we've done the same here at Emmanuel. Right. But, but that's that, how beautiful is that as we're a small congregation? We know we can't support, but you don't have to go and be a number in a large congregation that has and i'm not saying st john's is a large congregation we're not and we still have a school by god's blessings but many congregations with schools are are very large and you become a number and and you can say we well, don't you don't have to become a number you can be you can be a person and we know your name um and and we enjoy seeing you and we'll help you we'll help you go to these places and and do this and provide for your family in this way and 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 this is a this is a small congregation working for the ministry
1: You've hit upon an awesome point where a small congregation can feel, uh, correct that self-image in saying, you know what, we have, we may be a small congregation, but we're a part of something that's bigger. We're a part of a denomination that is all about the gospel and Jesus Christ and what he has done for us and for our salvation. And we can work together with other congregations in order to get for that gospel message to spread and looking at themselves and saying, you know what, this is we could have a school if we wanted to, but why is that you know good for the kingdom and as a whole? When there's another school right down the street, or there's another entity that's doing it much better, why don't we help? Why don't we work together? Because yes, we're small. We have our advantages of, of having a small community, but we're also part of a larger community.
0: Now, the problem that you have, and this is uh, this is this is the the natural sinful nature. Unfortunately, the problem that you have is that you have the people in those larger congregations or who have the school um they finances become a thing and and so they say well we need more people in here more people to give us finances more people and so the the natural tendency is the large congregations try to woo and um you don't want to use the word sheep steal but let's face it we're going to use the word sheep steal <clears throat> they, <clears throat> instead of saying, hey, you're come from a sister congregation, we're going to work out with your sister congregation how to make this work. You just come and enjoy these facilities and then go back to your congregation and support them. Um, that's what you need to do. Um, and, and I, and I would feel that way even in our high school, you know, um, yep, we have chapel every day, but you know what? You have a, an obligation and a blessing in your congregation. Go to worship there every Sunday. Don't come. Don't rely on us. Go and receive receive the gifts that God has given you in your own congregation. If you're at Morrison, or oh, and and you're you're from a, a congregation that's that's small, or or in our case, if you're from Gibson and you're sending your kids to St. John's, I don't want you as a family to join our church. I mean, I want you to gather around the means of grace, but do that in your congregation. Um, and then when we have the kids sing, okay, come. That's fine. But then, go back to your congregation because they need you because you are important to them, um, because that that, that congregation um, is is a bastion in the middle of of, of god 's world where the light needs to shine, and without you there, it shines a little dimmer and and so we con- uh, the natural tendency is to, to, t- to congregate to these big things and say well we 're the lighthouse." But you know what? Out in the middle of if you've ever stood out in the middle of the country without any other lights around, the little flame shines really bright. And and these congregations are doing that. These small congregations are doing that. So don't leave them high and dry. Let the, let the institutions work to figure out how we're gonna make it work. And and, and be a part of your little congregation because it's needed.
1: We've, um, dear listener, we've actually hit all five of the points that he made for um, problems with to overcome in small churches, but we just reiterated it in a different way. We talked about poor self image. We talked better about better way. Better way, yes. <coughs> better more <way>. flowing. All- <laughs> um, we talked about poor self image. We talked about lack of resources. We talked about uh, feelings of isolation and powerlessness, and uh, and and the pastor in that congregation um, feeling isolated and 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 uh, also. Isolated, you know, all by himself doing all the work—that kind of isolation.
0: I, I, I think before I, I, we want to talk a little bit more about. Uh, we're at what thirty-seven. Um, so we have enough time to talk about the good things in the gospel, um, but I think we should talk a little bit about some of the struggles that a pastor has um, in in small congregations and some of the the way that uh, pastors in larger congregations view pastors in smaller congregations. But before we do that, I think we should have a word from our sponsor. Our sponsor today is coffee coffee <laughs> um, and and uh, not not like cheap coffee that you can buy for a dollar. We're talking about our sponsor being any good coffee, which should be a present in any small congregation because that wins many many arguments. And so our uh, our our sponsor today is good Coffee. So dear listener, make sure good coffee (laughs) is served. Go go
1: find good coffee.
0: (laughs) Go find good coffee and make sure that it is served in your, your small congregation. Uh, now back to, (laughs) back to our show. You had a point. Let's go. (laughs) My point is, is so, um, I'm
1: pouring coffee right now so you can hear that.
0: One of our um one of the greatest challenges and, and and it was starting to become um an issue I know when I was in South Dakota and it's kind of an issue I feel here, although more of an undercurrent um as opposed to outright. And that is um larger pastors and larger congregations show up at circuit meetings, show up at um conferences, and they bequeath their infinite knowledge Upon the poor pastor who is in the small congregation, um, who, who's just doing what they call sustaining ministry. That, that all you're doing is keeping that church open until someone else can come because you moved on to greener pastures to do the real work of ministry. And, and I think this, this is permeated throughout the, the synod and not just our synod, it's in every church that, that, a, um, a, a Small congregation pastor isn't doing real ministry. A rural congregation pastor isn't doing real ministry because they're not in the town. They don't have the school. They don't have the multimillion-dollar budget. They don't have um, all these other responsibilities of administration, so they're not doing the real work. Um, And it bothers me.
1: It bothers me as well. If you want, if I could just share a personal story. When I was assigned, I was assigned out to eastern Montana to three very, very rural congregations, and I had served as a vicar in a large congregation. I had served overseas in Japan, where there's lots of people, and I thought to myself, "That's the kind of pastor I like—the functional pastor, the one who preaches well and and all of that." But the Lord knew that my true gifts lie in getting to know people and being relational, and so He put me in a setting where I had to actually, you know, get to know people instead of just preach a sermon on Sunday and you know, show, wow, wow them with my brilliance. Um, and then over time, and now if you do a strength finder uh, test for myself, that's the number one thing is that I like to talk to people and to actually talk to them about things that really matter, not just talk about the weather or talk about farming or talk about hunting, but actually talk about what's going on spiritually in, in their lives. What's, how can I help them uh, with whatever their struggles or doubts that they have? Those things I'm just attracted to, like a magnet. Like here, let's let's talk about God and His Word. If somebody comes to me and is, is really struggling spiritually, I want to have that conversation. Or if somebody is struggling with a sin, I, I want to talk to you about uh, Jesus and His forgiveness and the empowerment that He gives to live a, a better life. Those are the things that you don't get in a larger congregation. And I've served in a larger congregation. You don't get as often uh, because you have so many things that you're you're serving. You don't have the time to get to know people. Um, I remember, uh, having, listening to a pastor of a big congregation who was getting ready to leave and, uh, he has his farewell sermon and a member comes up to him and says, we're going to miss you so much. You, you mean so much to us. And the pastor admitting, I didn't really know that individual at all. I mean, i would seen them in Sunday, on Sunday, but I didn't really know them. Um, whereas in all of the smaller congregations that I have served, it's always been, uh, when we're, when you deliberate a call, that just, it eats you up and tears you up inside because you don't want to leave the people that you're
0: serving, yeah, they're your friends and your family um and 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 I took one of those strength things and it says that my my focus is teaching that that i i i in, my strength is imparting knowledge of some sort teaching in a way and i have to admit i i love teaching i wanted to go to when i went before i got into the ministry wanted to become a teacher that's what i wanted to do um but even though that's my strength um that's what the sheet of paper says um i would never get up give up the pastoral ministry and 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 one of those things that i've always noticed in in like the larger congregation as opposed to the smaller congregation is is and i have served in larger congregations they're The pastor, although is given the responsibility to teach, preach, and minister the sacraments, in a larger congregation, they're kind of segregated off into one niche. And and that's all they do. Um, And the pastor doesn't preach every Sunday. And the pastor doesn't do every funeral. And the pastor doesn't get to do every shut-in call. And the pastor doesn't get to do every hospital call. And you're like, well, they can't because they're a big congregation. And I get it. I know. But I... I like, like you said, doing every funeral because I got to serve them in life, and that's my last thing that I get to do to serve them and their family before I hand them off to a, a greater shepherd than myself. I, I I feel very uncomfortable walking into hospitals and having to sit down and be like, I don't know what to say because this is sucky. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's what you say, yeah, this is sucky, but hey here's our savior who is still with you and 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 still gets well and I get to have all of this responsibility and and for me, I thrive on the pressure of it of saying um I have to have. A sermon ready every Sunday. I have to have a Bible study prepared. I have to have, uh, we have this meeting coming up and I'm, I'm, I'm running point on that or I have to be able to give a report on this. Um, and we have the ladies who are meeting on Thursday and, and I, although I'm not teaching that class, I gotta listen with a half an ear while I'm writing my sermon because in case they have a question, you know, <laughs> they're gonna be right outside the office and you get to be able to answer that question and have a conversation and, and, and all these things that are going on. But it comes back down to, to I think, the, the, the important thing that comes back down to is there are fundamental differences between a small congregation and a large congregation. And, and both congregations are participating in the means of grace ministry. I'm not denying that. And, and, and pastors in a large congregation, their responsibility in the means of grace ministry are different. And that's okay. Um, what I think gives the small congregations a bad the pastors of a small congregation a bad reputation. If if we want to go that way and say that, is that the pastors themselves in the small congregation think themselves inferior? And they're not. And they're not. Um. And I have I have dealt and I've I've lived in small congregations. I'm uh, rural congregations, big or small. I will I will accept that call any day of the week. I love the people. I love the life. That's great. But one of the things I've noticed between the pastors and all of them are you have three types of pastors. You have the pastor that comes into the small congregation and says, this is my stepping stone to something greater. And the greater is a, 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 an inner city, bigger congregation with, with more whatever. Then you have the, I don't want to do anything, pastor. And, and the small congregation fits that because they don't have anything to do. Because I can just kind of show up every Sunday as long as my sermon's done and as long as I can teach a Bible study, I'm good to go. The hobby pastor. The hobby pastor. And then I can go out and I can, I can fish, I can do whatever, fill in the blank. And then there's the pastor who says, you know what? I'm in a small congregation and there isn't a lot of stuff to do, but I can better what I bring to this congregation. And and I can dive into my studies. I can dive into the doctrines of the church. I can dive into to how can I share Jesus better. And I would like to think of myself as that, and I know you're that.
1: I, I didn't always used to be that.
0: I, I, I know that. I, I remember there was a story where you're like, I wasn't, then we brought it up, and you're like, now I feel guilty because I could have done that. And I said, you should have. <laughs>
1: That's what evangelical pastors do.
0: <laughs> because I love you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's make you feel guilty. Uh, yeah, it wasn't always that way. It was, uh, it was coming to the realization of, uh, God has placed, and I think another pastor pointed this out to me. It's like, you know, God has given you an opportunity to better yourself here, and you're not taking advantage of it. You have all those books in your library, um, and, how many of those have you actually read? You can you can read those, Dave. It's okay. You don't have to sit there and say all these things you should be doing. You don't have to sit there and be anxious about uh, all the ministry I could be doing or the ministry that I'm not doing or the 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 talents that aren't being u- utilized. Prepare yourself for the future. Prepare yourself to be the better pastor. Um, because frankly, if if we're going to be honest, each pastor has that inner pastor inside of them that is the um, pr- the the the, uh, the standard that they're uh, looking forward to. Or are striving to be uh, the ideal pastor that's in their head, the one that always tells them after every every compliment they, they'll say, "Well, if they only knew." <laughs> you know, somebody gives you a compliment, says, "Thank you very much for doing that," and you're like, "Well, I could have done more." And you know, anyway, sidetrack. But I um yeah, I really agree with your three points. You've got your pastor who who comes into a small congregation who thinks. This is only just a stepping stone to a bigger bigger congregation, so i 'm just going to bide my time i, I wouldn 't recommend that because you don 't know how much time you're going to be there. Um, the second is the hobby pastor. Yes, you have your um, ho- you have time to do your hobbies you have time to be with your family, but don 't let that be uh, the idol don 't let that be the thing that uh, keeps you from being the better pastor that you can be or being the better pastor for your people, but always strive to be um, to maximize where you are and maximize with the time that you have so that you can be the better pastor um, and also be a better person.
0: Well, and and I'm just going to throw this out there, too. Um, To help your pastor in the third category, dear listener, demand from him excellence, knowledge, growth. Pastor, what are you doing this summer Uh, to, 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 to bring something to us that, that is more in line with understanding the scriptures. What are you doing to, to further your own study? And, and even if he's not bringing it to the table, it's going to affect his preaching. It's going to affect his teaching. Um, we just were in, embroiled in a conversation, um, over the last couple of weeks, you know, about the, um, does the sacraments exist in, in, um, um, Reformed congregations. Remember that conversation and how it's been growing, and we've been going back and studying and saying, "Wait a second, what does God say?" The use of the keys given to the believer. This is the subject for another podcast. It is, but but I'm just saying, we have the time
1: to think about it. To think
0: about it and to go into the script. And, and 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 what I was going to say is, I'm teaching on the means of grace in in in, in a Sunday Bible study, and it's coming out. That conversation and people after 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 the the Bible study are coming up and saying, "I never thought of it that way. I never realized that. I I always kind of thought I knew, but but the way that it was the way that you're phrasing it and the way that you're pointing to the scriptures and saying this is how God works and this is what He's doing and and that's like yes this is how it's supposed to be because I was told once, um and I can't remember if it was in seminary or by another pastor, but but I was told once that your people can only grow as high. As you are, as you are, and if and and if you're not growing, then now in a larger congregation you can kind of you can kind of fudge that <laughs> a little bit. You can you can you can because you can you have someone else to rely on, right? Um, you have another pastor or or an institution that you can push back to. In a small congregation, you're it. And and I think that the, what God gives in a small congregation to the pastor and to the people, with an opportunity to grow in in an understanding of faith far surpassing um what anybody would ever anticipate, is such a great gift. Um, and we got to work together to do that because I, I think a small congregation should should I know finances are tight in small congregations and you're always robbing from Peter to pay Paul, and your seventy percent of your budget is your pastor. Make time for him to to get some extra learning, and and there's tons of stuff online. Fifteen Seventeen Academy free courses um, at a level that you would get in a in a in in a, in a college thing, except you don't have to get it for a grade. It's, you're not going to get it for for credit. If you're into the whole credit thing, then that's probably not the way to go. But if you're in it for the knowledge and the thought, go there. Um, if you are in it for for credit. Go to MLC. Um, you can do online classes. Go to the seminary. Online classes. It costs a lot more, and you'll get a credit, whatever you want credit for. But maybe congregations should, should say, you know what? We expect this of our pastor because we want excellence so that when he stands in the pulpit or when he stands in front of us in Bible study, he is giving us 100% of everything he can muster. can muster. What a blessing. In a small congregation.
1: Yeah, we've uh, talked about this in a previous podcast on professional growth, so we'll put that in our show notes that you can listen to that as well, to how to encourage your pastor to grow in professional growth. Uh, the next, and we've actually been bouncing this back and forth, and it's permeating our whole podcast, but let's uh, tend, some, tend some time to looking at the strengths of a small church uh, before we
0: close for today. Gospel ministry. And, and I, and I know we keep saying it, um, means of grace ministry to, for one service to all the people, um, and they get to be there and say, this is the church in this place. Um, and I know them and, and you can look over and say, they're struggling. Um, they received communion. I can go over and I can, I can remind them you are forgiven. Um, And I know that as opposed to two services. Um, and I know any of my own members are listening and they're like, well, we're discussing maybe two services. I'll just, I'll play my cards. I don't prefer two services, not because I get the logistics, but, but I don't prefer two services because it makes two categories of people. You have an eight o'clock, you have a 1030, whatever the time is. Um, and they can't look over and say, they're, they're like me. I'm with them. I know them. We're together. Means of grace ministry.
1: And specific means of grace ministry. So I, I like that where you're, you're, you're touching on the idea of I know the sins of that individual. Not that uh, I'm going to look and say I'm better than they are because that's, you know, that's hypocrisy. That's not what the church is about, but they are forgiven. Let me encourage that individual uh, in there and let me uh, bring the forgiveness that, that they, that they need to hear. Uh, when they come to worship i'm so glad you're here how are you, How are things going with with this addiction how How are you doing with with um your you know an abusive spouse that you're leaving and the, that's the intimacy and, and i haven't caring. seen
0: you in four weeks I'm happy to see you uh what can I do so that that you know this becomes more normal so I can have this opportunity
1: yeah so the intimacy and caring is one of the strengths of a small church that he mentions in the paper, and you can see that in a larger congregation where they're trying. Trying to have a congregation that is intimate and caring by maybe a small group, or you have a smaller group, or at least that group knows what you're really going through, and that that group can be means of grace, ministry, gospel, uh, and bringing Jesus to you in that specific small area. But in a in a smaller congregation, more people can be in that circle, and more people can encourage you.
0: So, so is this a good time? And, and we have a couple of minutes. Is this a good time to bring up his his quote from Carl Dudley? Um, making the small church,
1: yeah, I like that quote i I um you go ahead and read it,
0: yeah, I love that quote uh, the The quote was just I think very tells the truth in what a small congregation offers uh he says, uh, in a big world, the small church has remained intimate. In a fast world, the small church has been steady. In an expensive world, the small church has remained plain. In the complex world, the small church has kept feeling. In a mobile world, the small church has been an anchor. And in an anonymous world, the small church calls us by name. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, I, I go back to the scriptures uh, and listen to my Lord who says, Fear not, little flock um he doesn't say fear not mega church fear not thousands in worship fear not little flock um i know you by name and i call you by name um not saying that, that 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 christ does not do that in a larger church i'm just saying don't be ashamed of coming to your country church parking in the gravel driveway <laughs> And knowing that if it rains, your car is going to get stuck and someone's going to have to get the tractor and pull you out, but they will get the tractor and pull, and you, pull out. you out. Don't be ashamed of, of walking in and it smells a little musty. Open a window, maybe open a window throughout the week so that it doesn't. Um, but the reality is, is you got something special. You got something special there.
1: You have a family that cares, uh, that's going to care for you. Um, and so that was the number one point that he had brought up was the intimacy and caring. The second one that he brought up was a uh, pastor knows his sheep. And uh, I would only add to his comments in that a pastor can be very specific in his uh, preaching and also not necessarily that he would call your sin out, but he knows exactly what you're going through. So he's going to, the, the sermons that he preaches are going to be that much more personal because he knows who you are. Um, and he also is, when you hear him, even giving the, um, absolution at the beginning of the worship service, he's also been the one that you've been talking to during the week and, and revealing to him your struggles and, and your problems and him personally giving you that forgiveness. And then on that Sunday, uh, he is announcing that forgiveness to the whole congregation, but he is, he's also looking at you and saying, you're forgiven too. Remember, remember that your sins are forgiven. Jesus' blood has covered your sin.
0: And, and just to add to that, um, because this is a mindset, right? This is the mindset of the pastor that he's knowing his people. And, and when you're in a congregation such as St. John's and Maribel, um, or any small congregation that is on their way to growing, um, you get to that point where you're on the cusp of small congregation, bordering a larger congregation, and, um, without a concerted effort and help from the members to help their pastor know the names. It gets tough, let me tell you um people I see all the time and I interact with all the time I know them um but then there's those because we're we're big enough that I know your face and I want to know your name, but i don't and and I'm sorry and it and it affects you because you're like i, I should know your name but but you're at that point where you're just big enough right where where it becomes tough, and so the help of the congregation. To, to help foster this mindset that our pastor and, 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 and we ourselves are going to know our people. That is something that, that, that happens in a small congregation.
1: The final strength of a small church is the development of each member's potential, where it goes against the whole idea of, you know, you have specialists in a large congregation and, um, it has, a large congregation that has its advantage. Uh, if, if you really like small, small, uh, um, Kindergarten ministry, I was going to say small persons ministry. But if you really (laughs) little people, (laughs) that could go the completely wrong direction. Um, But if (laughs) you, uh, (laughs) if that's your thing, you can do that and that's specialized. But sometimes you are in a smaller congregation that may not be your. You may not perceive that to be your gift and you're put in that situation to be a a Sunday school teacher, or you're put in that position to be a president of the congregation, and actually, you actually do have those gifts. You didn't realize it at the time. And so that is one of the advantages of of a congregation is that your potential, and people don't want to hear that. People want to do the things that they gravitate toward, their their strength. They want to do the things that they like to do, but there is so much more to us than the things that we like to do. There are, there's so much more potential to us than the things that we gravitate towards, um, specifically because the spirit is the one who gives us those those gifts and talents. It's not something that's innate within us.
0: And, and can I just add to that 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 um, in a small congregation, what makes this work, and and I don't see it all the time. I do I do see it sometimes. What makes this work is that in a small congregation, you you have a limited pool to call from. And so sometimes people who have had an office and they did well and then they go and they serve at another place and they maybe not do so well. Um, what makes it work in a small congregation, and the only way it can work in a small congregation, is if the congregation is forgiving and recognizing that not everybody is going to be able to do the job that the church called them to do at the very, very best. And that's okay. They'll serve their term and we and the the, the church will say, you know what, it wasn't the best. But thank you because you stepped up and you, you did what God has asked you to do through the, through his people and, and we move forward. So many times in small congregations, I've seen the opposite and maybe that's, that's part of that, that self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, you didn't do a good job, so we're not, but they stepped up and that's the blessing of a small congregation. There was a need and they're like, I don't know if I have the gifts, but I'm going to try. And if I don't, better luck next time. You know, good thing it's only three years.
1: Yeah, what God has called us to do is not something that's natural to do. Is it natural to talk to somebody about Jesus? Is it natural to bring somebody in from the fold who, is, who has wandered away? Is it natural to tell somebody something that they don't want to hear?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and some people very much enjoy it. <laughs>
1: it all depends, I suppose it all in the attitude, right? It is all in yeah, the attitude. But if is. you want to do it from a gospel point of view, then it isn't natural. But if if you want to point at somebody and say look I'm better than you, then it definitely is is it's right. a natural thing to
0: do. If you're pointing it out with the idea of I'm going to forgive you, the forgiveness is unnatural. <laughs> <laughs> But but you know this is the blessing of the small congregation. The blessing of the small congregation is is really the blessing that that you have um, that God gives to his people which is you get to in a very personal way say um, we have seen Jesus and uh um, come and see and enjoy with me what he has given. Um, and the small congregation can do that in space.